listening to the Good Vibrations of America's most subterranean podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Fenrossum, but would you still love me if I was a worm? I'm the mother humper, Ben Sheets. And I'm the ass blast from the past, Cleveland Mosher. That's the wrong movie! (laughs) (laughs) Right franchise. Bad. Now I'm getting bad vibrations. (laughs) (laughs) You might need to take a Tums for that. A fucking... It's about to be a Tums festival (laughs) at this piece. Well, uh, I picked the film that we're talking about tonight. It's my choice. And uh, I chose uh, the 1990 B-Monster Classic... Tremors. Well, a really worm monster classic. There's no bees. <laughs> so, what's all of our experience with Tremors? Um, I love Tremors. Tremors is one of my goats. Again, they're worms. They're not goats. You keep. What are you doing? What's going on, Tease? I don't know what animals are. <laughs> um, Tremors is one of my favorite movies of all time. I remember seeing it um, probably when I was about 10, 11, 12, maybe, for the first time, um, and getting really into it. All the sequels. I've seen a bunch of these damn movies. Um, and some knockoffs as well. Oh, yeah, well... At least I have. I've seen I've seen more knockoffs, I think, than I've seen the original. <laughs> we'll let you talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I really love this movie. Um, I'm honestly surprised it's taken us this long to talk about it on the show, because um, yeah. it really is, like, one of my favorite monster movies of all time. It's a classic, for um, sure. Yeah. The, the franchise goes, goes downhill pretty quickly after this first one, but um, I think that this... The- Two's good. We were we were joking about ass blasters, and uh, honestly, three was my introduction to the franchise. I remember watching it at a late night birthday party, and just having a blast with my friends. An ass blast. An ass blast. Three three certainly has a special place in my heart. I don't think it's a good movie. It's a um, fun movie, but it though. is fun. Yeah the the first three I think are are pretty fun. Two is the one where it's set in the old west, right? Or is that no? Four? That's four. Okay, four is a prequel. Um, I never saw the the sci fi spin off show that they did. I don't think it had more than a season or two. Uh, Which one is it? Where it's set? Quotes in Antarctica, but they they just put a blue filter on everything, and it's still the desert. That's six. <laughs> six. Okay. It's set. Yeah, it's set in the Arctic Circle, but they very obviously still just shot it in the desert and slapped a, a blue filter over everything to make it seem cold. That's not one of the good ones. No. I would say I'd say that like you get diminishing returns pretty quickly uh, after the the third one especially. But we're not here to talk about those other movies. We're here to talk about the first one, the one that started it all. This is a uh, a film uh, starring Kevin Bacon uh, and the late great Fred Ward as uh, two sort of hapless cowpoke handymen in the little uh, one-street town of Perfection, Nevada, uh, and uh, the town is attacked by big monsters that live under the ground. Yeah, subterranean beasts that don't have eyes, so they uh, seek out prey 
with vibrations. Mm-hmm. A lot of Jaws uh, vibes in this first movie, especially. Um, very similar. Yeah. I, I love the way, I, I really do love the way that this movie is like just sort of a uh, a new take on the Jaws formula. Instead of being at sea, it's out in the desert, but still uh, a lot of the same plot devices. I, I feel like get in the get water even more mileage out of practical effects in this movie than even oh. Jaws does. Yes. Because they get so much mileage of having things fall over quickly or get knocked around. They had a nice hydraulics budget for this yes. movie. Yeah, I, I, I just love the shit out of this movie. It, it's so charming. It's definitely a cult classic. Obviously spawned a lot of, of sequels for a reason. Um, but, you know, this this first one is just like... It's just, I, I said it during the movie, and it's a, it's a cliche to say, but they just don't, they just don't make movies like this anymore. They just they really don't. don't. It feels like, this this movie came out in 1990, so, tail into the 80s. Just a fan-fucking-tastic, puppetry, practical-laden creature feature. Yeah. Right? With, great with, cast. Too. Yeah, with a great cast of characters that you actually give a shit about, that all have their own distinct personalities that are set up organically. Great one-liners, great classical score. Mm-hmm. Just every every box is fucking checked with this one. Lean as shit, no fat at all, perfectly paced, tense, scary at times, funny, um, and just, like, witty and clever. It's just, like, everything that you could possibly want out of, like, a mid-budget B-monster yeah, movie. Yeah, it's the best thing about this era, right? Like, it's a silly B-movie, but everyone involved in the process clearly still gave a shit and was there to have yeah. a good time and work hard. Well, I mean, it's full of great character actors. I mean, most notably, Victor Wong. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. the legend, you know, Carpenter regular. Mm-hmm. But even the less notable ones have such lively, fleshed-out characters. Yeah. Michael Large Gross. personalities, you know? Yeah, Michael Gross. Speaking very large, he's grossing a big personality. And then we've... <laughs> and we'll, um, we'll talk about his character, because his character really ultimately became the the protagonist of the franchise. Yeah. And then, um, of course, uh, his wife, the actress I thought looked a lot like Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre. Who is Reba McIntyre? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Reba, I feel like, did have a little, a little bit where she was like really trying her hand at acting. She's I mean, pretty... she had her own sitcom. For she a did. While. I watched the fuck out of it. <laughs> did you? I was gonna ask if y'all watched it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did. Like I've said it before, but you know, I, we grew up uh, where Latisse and I, you know, both grew up with like eleven channels. Half of them were yeah, no cable. Stuff, you know, and fucking uh, coastal Alabama. So like. Uh, there wasn't. It was Slim Pickens. I do. I do and remember Reba being on all the time, Reba but I never, but I never time. enjoyed it enough to like really watch it. Exactly. Well, no. Well, so I, <laughs> I, I watched. It. But you did. I watched it. No, there's something. There's something about like being a a, a southern country mom that I don't know. I just that I, really speaks to it your spoke soul. To me. Yeah, yeah, it spoke to my soul. <laughs> yeah, Reba's all right. Reba McIntyre rules. Uh, at least like as a character and everything else. I don't. I mean, I don't, at I don't this point, I can't so think of Reba without thinking of the I'm Reba 
skit from uh, SNL, oh, yeah. the, the song where Kenan Thompson oh. is mistaken for Reba. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I had actually forgotten about that until right now. <laughs> And now that's all I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of this movie whenever we talk about Reba. I love all of the characters in this movie and just, like, the way that they're all so organically introduced. Um, especially our, our two protagonists, uh, Kevin Bacon and and Fred Ward. The, the film starts with a wide shot of Kevin Bacon pissing off of a cliff. Mm-hmm. And he Which sort said, of... Better be the title of the episode, Pissing Off a Cliff. Well, uh, if you listened to our podcast, Cleveland, you would know that the titles of the episodes are just the movie titles and have been for years. So, Well, the subtitle, we can say Pissing Off a Cliff. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, pissing Off a Cliff, Pissing Off point. a Cliff, that's, that'll be it. Um, the boys talk about etc. Yeah. Well, it comes back and has narrative significance. I love how not the piss, but the cliff. The cliff. Well, let's let's we can't get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, just re- just remember the the cliff. Well, and also right afterwards, because uh, his buddy's sleeping in the back of the truck. Yeah, he goes and instead of just waking him up casually, he starts shaking the truck and shouting "Stampede! Stampede!" Stampede. Uh, which also has a payoff. They yeah. love pranks in this movie, don't they? Oh, they have yeah. a lot of prank moments. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do living in a town like this where, like, it is literally just one road with a general store and a couple of shacks and trailers? Like, it's nothing. Well, that's the thing. Like, most of the pranks done in this movie are by that uh younger kid melvin melvin that who's, boy who's that boy's a little shit that boy play too damn but much. honestly <laughs> all, my, all my homies hate melvin all my homies hate but melvin. honestly if i was stuck in the middle of nowhere i would be pulling pranks on people all the time yeah what is there to do fucking jack shit man um, you can you can fuck with people with pranks, or you can fuck people, and that's about it. And I mean, if we're being real, the most of most of Melvin's pranks just involve standing behind somebody and screaming to startle them, <laughs> throwing a basketball at them. He's a yeah, he's a a, a boy who cries wolf, yeah. uh, which also gets its payoff because everything that's set up in this movie gets its payoff. Yeah. Um, I, I love, like, going back to the, the very intro, yeah, so he wakes up, Kevin Bacon wakes up Fred Ward by pretending uh, there's a stampede, shaking the truck, everything, um, and then they get up and they argue about whose turn it is to make breakfast, you know, they're out on, they're just general handymen, they're out on a job um, fixing uh, fences, it looks like, so they've been sleeping in the back of their truck, and they're arguing whose turn it is to make breakfast, and... Kevin Bacon pulls out a cigarette and he starts patting his pockets down for a lighter. Meanwhile, Fred Ward has a, is holding the lighter and he's patting his pocket down for his pack of cigarettes. And they just look at each other and Kevin Bacon hands him one of the cigarettes and then they both light it off the same lighter. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's just like such a such like a fun little charming introduction to these these goofy uh, fun characters. They they have a they have a great bromance. Yeah, and speaking of uh, manses, they uh, they hop in the car. They're heading their way back into town, talking about they're gonna get the fuck out of there. And they see off in the distance, car. Someone's out there doing something. And uh, oh, it must be the the old uh, college 
a student who was out there studying. But wait, they've left. They graduated. They graduated. So we got a new grad student now. And there's one thing that they heard. This it's was, a woman. This was supposed to be a girl. <laughs> it's a girl. Oh, boy. And they start, and they start like, you know, he, Yeah, Kevin Bacon just swerves off the road, just starts, like, driving. <laughs> just, going <laughs> just going Just going straight off-road. it's a great I just like the it's, yeah. big, it's all suspended. Like, great. At just the car. slightest whiff of pussy. He's like, just, wee, 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 wee. One road town. Yeah, right. Exactly. You really can't blame him. And hello too, because he's he's describing the his ideal woman, and he's like, she's got blonde hair, big titties, legs up to here, the An whole ass that won't quit, ass that won't quit. And he's like going through all all of his boxes. And he's like, it's it, she's gonna be incredible. And they get to her, and uh, she's got kind of a silly hat on, and her nose is covered in sunscreen. I love it. It's it's the old eighties, seventies, eighties like glasses on, hair up thing. You know, we we catch her. Yeah, that's that's what they. We can reveal later on that she's super attractive. That she's actually been pretty all along. Yeah. Except just like all of the every time that trope is used, you can always just see like that's just a beautiful woman. Like (laughs) it's like it's not fooling anybody. Um, I do like that they kind of. I think they do kind of like acknowledge that right away though, because like after they talk to her and she's like, I'm getting some weird readings on my on my seismographs you know i wonder what that could be and they're like well see you later (laughs) um they're uh fred ward is kind of like giving uh uh kevin bacon shit because he's like you just have this one type and and she's got to check off all these boxes and you can't like look at any other woman so he's like kind of be like hey she's pretty like but you got this unreasonable expectation tammy lynn baxter is that is that yeah. when he pulls down the visor? He's got all these pictures. Well, because like, his buddy gets the name wrong, which shows he doesn't yeah. give a shit either. He says like Baxter Lee Timmer or something, you know. And he's like, no, Tammy Lee Baxter. And uh, yeah, yeah, he pulls it as it is uh, flips down the the sun visor. Yeah, the sun got visor. All these got pictures, all these silly photos. I like that. I like it's a it's an eighties movie, and even still, they're talking about like unhealthy beauty standards and shit and expectations. I think that's cute. Also, I love I love that his buddy is like just dead set on wingmanning for him. Yeah, Fred Ward is in kind of a uh, an uncle uh, sort of role to yeah, Kevin but, Bacon, I think. He's, yeah, but like, yeah, they're like roughly the same age, right? No, maybe, no, definitely like, not. Maybe like what ten years apart? Like he's not that much. Ten, older. ten, fifteen years apart, probably. Like Fred Ward is graying a little bit. Kevin Bacon is still like young, and yeah, Kevin Bacon's like that young. He's like what thirty. I don't maybe. know. And then maybe. he's 40, and it's like, eh, you know, at that point. like, uh, Yeah, but he's even calling him, he's even making jokes about his age and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they have, like, a, like an older, younger, they have an Uncle Magic kind of relationship. Uncle Magic. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Nephew Magic. Yeah. Like, that's that's what that's what these characters have. Yeah. Um, All right, I'm with it. They're, they're, I mean, he's not, <laughs> Earl's not literally Valentine's uncle, but, you know, might as well be. They live in a trailer together. Yeah, it's pretty gay. It's very it's queer pretty, coded. It's pretty gay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Nephew Magic. <laughs> <laughs> so the film really kicks off when they decide, you know what, we're tired of doing all these shit jobs for barely any money. We gotta get out of this fucking one-horse town and go on over to uh, the neighboring, the, the two-horse town. Two-horse <laughs> We gotta. We're, we're getting out of perfection. We're going to Bixby. Bixby. 
and they they act like that's like some hot shit but like even though we never see it it's like okay maybe it's a real town in the sense that it probably has a post office you yeah, know Bixby has an entire Walmart <laughs> yeah right wow it's got a grocery store and a post office and maybe a library too you Incredible. know but they're like okay we're fine we've said it a million times but really like What's keeping us here? Let's try to, like, we're we're going. And they pack up all their shit in their truck, and they're like, all right, see you, everybody. They say, they say their farewells to everybody at the general store, and they're like, all right, peace, we're out of here. And they just cannot get out of the town, <laughs> no matter how many times they try, because they keep stumbling upon new untold horrors. Yeah. Uh, dead bodies. Yes. The first one they see is... Uh, an old man. The town drunk. Yeah. Can't recognize that jacket anywhere. Who, uh, is stuck in, on top of, like, an electrical, uh, yeah, like an, yeah, electrical tower. I like yeah. that, too, because, like, they're driving down the road, they're getting out of town, and they look up and they see in the distance a figure way up on one of those electrical, uh, towers. And I, I like it because, you know, they're talking about their careers and getting started. Like, oh, that's the one thing I couldn't do. Not with those heights and, uh, wouldn't work with electricity. Yeah. Fuck that. I think that's really relatable. You know, yeah, um, I wouldn't want to do it either. Yeah, I've seen too many YouTube videos of those guys getting blasted <laughs> off. Yeah, up, dude. yeah, mad respect. Honestly, yeah. it's pretty cool. So uh, they're like, "Yeah, not for me." And they yeah, they get up to him like, "Wait a minute, no, that's fucking Earl or whatever." Like, I recognize that jacket. No, Earl is Fred Ward's character. Right. right. Um, yeah, I, I forget the the name of the drunk. They mm-hmm. Dennis or something. They're oh, like, man. "Oh, that's old." As old Dennis, I'd recognize that jacket anywhere. He's all this, the only one he ever wears. And they figure he got himself drunk and climbed up the tower and got stuck. And so they pull over and they're like calling up to him and he's not responding. And they do, uh, continually throughout the film, they do rock, paper, scissors to, you know, decide who, who does what. And Kevin Bacon loses. So he climbs up. Because I noticed, too, that Fred Ward always chooses scissors. Yeah, except one time later he picks rock. rock. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. You're, you know, you're looking, for, looking for little things like that throughout a movie. And... But, yeah, so Kevin Bacon climbs up and, um, to his horror, discovers that old Dennis or whatever is, is dead. He's dried up, up. He's all dried up. Yeah, they call the doctor. They pull him down. And like, well, that he he done died of dehydration. Yeah, it looked like the uh, the salt monster from Star Trek got him <laughs> in the original series. The salt monster. Yeah, it's it's like a goofy monster with like three pronged fingers and like a weird snout, and it it drains people of their salt. It's from like the first episode of the original series. It's like one of the. I, I think it is the first episode of which series? The original Star Trek. 60s. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you said Star Wars a minute ago, and I'm Did like, I? I've seen, I've seen all the movies. Know, I no, you, I, I might have just misheard you. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, so he's all dried up and like, well, what? How long does that take? Like three, four days, right? So he just sat up there for three or four days and didn't come down. The fuck is that about? And so they're, tremors they're like, what is about? It's, it's tremors. It's yeah. Tremors, baby. Um, and then they're like, okay, well. All right, that was that was disturbing, but fuck it, we're still going to Bigsby. <laughs> um, we're, we're still fucking out of here, and they're back on the road driving out, and they see old man so and so's farm, and it looks like his sheep pen has been all torn up. Gord, there's just bits of flesh. Well, yeah, they they get out of the truck and they go see, and there's just like 
pieces of dead sheep everywhere. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? And they see the old farmer's hat sitting out in in the field <laughs> that he's been he's been t- oh my god it's so good it's so cartoony and they walk up and they pick the hat up and his face is on the farmer's face is under it dead poking up out of the sand so cartoony i love it it's great i love yeah it's it's such a fun reveal so once again for the second time of the day they've been trying to drive out of here and <laughs> And and find another body. Well, great too. It's like they head down the road. Just down the road were two construction workers, and they shot out the window. Yo, there's a killer out here. Yeah, there's you a know, psycho killer on you, the way. You got to You know, you got to get out of here. You got to get to safety or whatever. And they drive off. And the two constructors like, ah, it must be bullshit. They must be pulling our legs. And the guy with the jackhammer, his uh, his jackhammer gores into the tremor, and the and the, yeah. the hammer. Just starts getting pulled across the ground. I love that shit. Like the hammer just getting pulled. Along yeah. Well, first, him. first we see like he see, we see the jackhammer going around and around and around, and then eventually it hits and just like this big spurt of like orange goo starts seeping up from the ground. It's pretty reddish too, which I like. Yeah. Like it's it's still like very definitely just like blood pouring up from the ground. It's kind of alien. Yeah. Which I like. It's like just right. Yeah, it's got like an orange tint to it. Yeah, a sort yeah. of orangish yellow tint. And yeah, then it just starts like pulling the, the jackhammer away and the cord is wrapped around his ankle. Yeah. So it starts pulling him off and it causes a rock slide that blocks the only road out of town so later when earl and val are trying to leave for the third time they get back there and see the rock slide and see one of the construction workers helmets with like bits of blood and brain and stuff (laughs) in it and the worker's name was carmine yeah which means that that was the first carmine brother yeah gears of war to die damn damn What a, what a fucking cut, man. What a fucking cut. I'm sure one of our listeners caught that. Anyway, here's a war joke. That's stupid. Anyway, um, so they get back into town. Yeah, well, so they have to go back now because this is literally the only road out of town. The, the perfection is in a valley that's surrounded by mountains on all sides. I love the build-up to everything because it sets... So many things up very quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the old farmer guy is, like, uh, hoeing the ground. So he's making vibrations with this thing. Yep. And, you know, all the sheep are running around as well. And before he gets pulled under, you see the scarecrow behind him sort of, like, get knocked over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of really, like, nice little visual mm-hmm. cues that are set up. Yeah, and the the people working on the road... You know, it really emphasizes the vibration element yep. of it, yeah, even arm. before, you know, it's directly explained. And that's one thing I like generally about this movie is they do explain things directly, but it never feels like they're being overly expository. No, no. it's just while other things are happening, like, well, you and get this, which is great too, because like the movie's called Tremors. And the characters... Like, you're going into it, you know what you're getting. The characters puzzling it out together too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. At no point do they have like a scientist character come in and just start like explaining everything they need to know. You know, they're kind of speculating. Well, well the they film. even play with that trope a little bit because at one point like Kevin Bacon asks the seismologist 
woman. Well, yeah. They what keep, are they doing? And they, they, she's like, "Why are you asking me?" They that? keep asking know. her like about. She's like, "She's like, why are you asking me?" And it's like they never say it, but it's like, well, because she's the closest thing they have to a scientist. Like, she's the smartest. <laughs> yeah. She's the she's the most academic person they've got. So they're yeah. like, they they expect her to know the answer. She's like, I don't fucking know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just do like seismology. I don't yeah. know that much beyond it. And that's great. She, too, and she's like, a grad. She's a grad student too. Yeah, she's, she's a, a geo- she's a geology grad student. Or like, a geography she a- one. <laughs> As they make the joke, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like she's she's a she's a geology grad student. She wouldn't know anything about like she's not a biologist. She's yeah, she's not a biologist and this is a new species they've discovered, you know. Like she has some theories, but like yeah, I I I love how organic everything is. There's so much like it, it teaches you all the rules you need to know, like, totally organically, without feeling like it needs to spell everything out. Yeah, it's not patronizing, it's fun, um, and, yeah, we're kind of learning the rules with the characters in the movie, but, yeah, we never take that time to sit down with heavy exposition and a big whiteboard or anything like that. Yeah. Like, the movie... There's no time for yeah, it. There's no time. Like, there's we're no time to have, for a, it. Have, yeah. have fun and, and watch this movie and, like, fuck exposition. So I love it. It's all It's all organic. Yeah, and I mean, everybody is always in imminent danger, too. There's no time for them to sit and study the uh, the, the monsters, you know. They're, they're always in danger of being swamped. Um, <laughs> another important thing that's set up in the scene where they, they find the rock slide across the road, as they're turning around, they back up against, like, um, the embankment on the side of the road, and as they're trying to pull away, like, the truck stalls. Like, it's not, you know, it's not going, even though Kevin Bacon's, like, slamming on the gas. And finally they get loose and get back into town to, like, bring the news that, like, the the road has been blocked. And somebody's like, holy shit, what's that hanging off the back of your truck? And they see, like, wrapped around the rear axle, there's, like, a big snake-like creature that is dead with like little mouth and little teeth little spikes on it mm-hmm. and it's like bought like at, at the end of its body it's like ripped it's like the part of its body is missing and they presume it's like a mutant snake yeah they're like sort. what the fuck could this be you know it's like oh that's why we got stalled out and then you know michael gross's character is like well hang on a second like that stalled out your truck like, it must be, like, way stronger than it looks. I, I love how Victor Wong's character, Walter, the the general store owner, he is a total opportunist. Yeah. And he uh, buys the, the mutant creature off of them for, like, 15 bucks and then uh, immediately sells people pictures of them with it yeah. for $3. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it, it he gets Melvin immediately yeah. with it. And it's when Melvin does another one of his patented pranks where he starts screaming like the thing has got him. But <laughs> Almost gets shot. Yeah, he almost gets that. shot. Well, yeah, so they, they realize is like, okay, there is... There's some kind of creatures at work here, you know. Mm-hmm. That's there. That's what must have been like killing these people. How are we going to get out? Like, get to the the neighboring town and get help. The road's blocked, and they say, "Well, okay, well, um, we, we got horses, so we'll ride out. We don't have to be on the road." 
And in between all this, we get another scene where there's like a couple out in the desert at night. They're like the unloading stuff. Wife. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That is yeah, the doctor. Yeah, the doctor and his wife, they're building their house um, out in the desert. So they're unloading some stuff from the truck late at night. It's a sweet scene. I really like the dialogue between the two of them talking about, oh, yeah, we're out under the stars. We're building our home, but maybe we don't need to build a roof. It's so yeah, pretty Yeah, so out we can there. look at the stars every night. That's great. That's really, like, wholesome and, and sweet. And Yeah, and just for it to be ripped away brutally. Literally. Just a couple of, <laughs> a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes later. Um, where the, the doctor gets gets got first. He gets he gets swamped. Um, slowly, and, as his wife is trying to help him get out of there, which I like the white, he just slowly gets swamped in front of his Yeah, wife. I like, she gives him a two-by-four to, like, try to, like, support him. support him as he's being pulled under, and it just, like, snaps in half. And so she she runs and gets into the, the station, station wagon. wagon and locks all the doors. And, you know, we see, like, several of these little, like, snaky creatures, Grand you know, boys. grabbing onto the, the, well, they haven't been named yet. Well, we, and we were. don't realize the scope of them either. Exactly. Um, which I love because, you know, we see one almost kind of knock at the back window with its head. And then we see a second one come up. And we're like, okay, so there's a couple of them, Swarm. but they can't get in through the window. Yeah. So they, they kind of go back underground, and uh, she's knocked on, over the radio, and it turned on. And so she's sitting there, you know, locking the doors, making sure she's okay. And then suddenly, from underneath, uh, the the whole truck gets upended. Yeah, pulled from the rear bumper and gets pulled underground yeah. i love when uh the in in you know like the next day when kevin bacon and fred ward are riding past on their horses and they hear the radio and they're like what the fuck like where is that coming from and they sort of follow it and they see something sticking out of the sand a little bit and they start like wiping it off and it's like the front grill of the car and they're like what the fuck and they wipe more and the headlights are still on yeah they're like what the shit what is yeah. fucking going on? It's a on? great low budget effect. I really love the shot before that when it's still nighttime when you see the the trails of the lights oh, in oh, the sky. The go distance, up. Yeah. yeah, the headlights tilt back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just from up over the crest, you just see the two beams of light and then they go mm-hmm. out. Um Yeah, it's great too, because there's there's this wonderful reverse shot where after they've uncovered the headlights, there's just, like, they're kind of bathed in a golden light. And it reminded me of, like, you know, the shot out of, like, Pulp Fiction. The briefcase the scene from Pulp Fiction, yeah. All that, yeah, because they're, like, it's it's daylight out, but they're still, like, bathed in, like, a golden yeah. artificial light. It looks really good. This was before Pulp um, Fiction, though. And I'll say, several years. That's true. I'll also say, it's pretty fucking spooky, because if the light, if the, the radio is still on in the car, that means that, like, she could still be alive in there just like trapped underground in like that pocket of air or at least line. that she probably isn't she probably got yeah she i mean probably she's, got she, yeah. yeah but like there is like a because we because we do see like as it's on. getting pulled under that like all the windows in the back are breaking um so like yeah she she probably did get grabbed but what what it says more to me is that like the fact that the headlights are still on and the wind and the radio is still playing is it didn't happen all that long ago because the battery hasn't died in the car yet which like that happens after only a few hours you know so 
they're like, okay, this is this is serious. Like we're we've underestimated like what these things are capable of. They can drag a whole car underground, and as they're making their way, they get attacked. Um, and one of the the horses gets grabbed by you know several of the the, the little snaky things, um, and Kevin Bacon shoots one of them, and then it's revealed that there is a much larger beast behind all of the little snaky things as it you know basically leaps out of the ground at them. And it's like this isn't a, this isn't a bunch of little worms. This is one big worm. Yeah, the little ones were just like the tongue. Were its tongue? Yeah. yeah. This thing, and I love that. It's a it's a really fucked up version of three blind men and an elephant. I've been thinking about that this a lot in movies lately. Is like when you have that drip feed of information to like slowly reveal the monster. Yeah. Because you do it by like you know you have you're blind to what it is and you slowly feel part of it. It's like, Oh, this is the tail. This is whatever. And it's a great way to subvert. It's a great way to build things up. Um, and, uh, you know, to some capacity, like jaws does it some capacity, like alien is probably the best example where like it's changing, it's evolving and you're having to sort of guess as it goes. And here it's, it's also kind of like that. We think we understand the whole creature, but then there's more to it. I mean, the tongue monsters are very evocative of the xenomorph tongue with the little, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, a mouth with more mouths. A mouth with with smaller mouths inside. Yeah, this is on a much larger scale, um, but yeah, it is it is the same kind of um, the same kind of vibe. What I like too, and something that has always kind of bothered me, but I think it's a clever misdirection. It's not about the movie itself, um, but the I always remember seeing the cover for these movies in Blockbuster as a kid. It always like drew me to it. I eventually you know, led to me renting it. But like on the cover, it's they're they're doing a Jaws thing where it's like you've got your characters up top and then there's like the monster coming up from below. But on this first one, the the monster that we see coming up from below, huge, is literally just one of the little snake heads, but way big. So, like, even the cover, even the movie poster is kind of misdirection. It leads you to think that it's one monster when it's actually a totally different monster. Yeah, and it feels like that's something that was totally thought out and yeah. intentional. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah like, I think there's, so. There's a lot of thought, there's a lot of work put into into this silly monster movie. That's why it's good. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking too, like, I... I, I've I've loved this movie for for such a long time. I can never remember who actually made it. The director is named Ron Underwood, and he's done not much else of like big note. I think he directed the second one of these, and he's got a story credit on most of the others. But other than that, he's mostly like a TV journeyman. Like he's done, he's worked on some like well-known television shows and stuff, but like. I mean, for me, these movies have, like, low-budget passion projects written all over. Yeah. Well, but I I mean, just just my point is, like, I think this film is just, like, really well-made. It know, it's, swings above its weight class. Yeah, like, it's really... Sure. it's. It's really oh, well-directed. I mean, come on. You say Tremors, but he also... Uh, Did Mighty directed City Slickers, <laughs> the classic Billy Crystal movie. 
Oh, did he direct yeah, Sinise Slickers? Okay, also I must, said in the desert. I I must have I must have overlooked that one, but I, he did see he also directed Mighty Joe Young. He directed Everybody the Adventures that. of Pluto Nash, one of the uh, uh, biggest Razzie Award winners of all time. Okay. Yeah, see what I'm saying? You know, sometimes you just knock it out of the park. I'll say now. I, I will note. Yeah, this movie it had a uh, for said 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we keep calling it an 80s movie, but. I'm going to keep calling it an 80s film because, like, 1990 is still basically the 80s. Like, yeah, it was shot in the 80s. Yeah, it would have been fair. shot in, yeah, um, But, yeah, it had, a, uh, it had a budget of $10 million, and it grossed 16 which, considering how many sequels this franchise has had... Oh, I mean, this is a cult classic. It's a cult classic, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, like, it obviously... I, I don't think it was... So I, I, was I was talking to... Um, uh, my buddy Ted about this at the night in respect to the Underworld franchise. Oh. And, and Underworld is interesting because, like, it also didn't gross that much more than it costs to make, but it still has a huge franchise. Like, there's been a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. So a bunch of Underworlds. Oh, I know. There's been a bunch of Tremors. And I have a thought on this, and I haven't looked into it too much. I'm kind of speaking out of my ass a little bit. But, like, these movies are just made for VHS sales. Like, I mean, it came out in kind of the, the peak era of the, the blockbuster. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a blockbuster movie if there ever blockbuster was. Blockbuster video, then. And, yes. and yes. I and I think and I think um Same Underworld. I think the sci fi Well, Underworld came out in two thousand. Yeah, it's like but it's like it's like two thousand what, three? I, I think, think the first Underworld came out in year two thousand. Yeah, that's still primo blockbuster. Um but video. I I I wanna say that like the sci-fi network like is is largely responsible for keeping this franchise going as long as it has been also as the franchise went on they reverted to cheap cg yeah and so yeah. they were able to, they they reduced the budget significantly yeah. after the first you know 3 year also you know they they lost the more expensive the members power. of the cast like Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward and um Reba, Reba McIntyre um you know Michael Gross really went on to to carry the rest of this franchise which is is funny like looking at just like just this movie because like his character is great but very, very much like a secondary character. Almost tertiary. Yeah. Like, yeah, almost tertiary even. You're right. Well, like, he's not in most of the movies. Yeah. Like... I mean, he's... He and he and Reba, like, have a very important role, especially in the end. You know, they're kind of like uh, your typical, like, doomsday prepper, like, gun nuts. Their house is basically a bunker. They've got a million guns. They've got a bomb shelter and food and everything and going along with one of my all-time favorite movie tropes where the doomsday prepper is right <laughs> i love that shit i'm always a fan of of like yeah movies when like the tinfoil hat guy's crazy conspiracy theory is correct that's always fun i i don't think that's the case in well this it, it isn't there is a subversion it, it, well it's kind of both it it does save their lives it will. I mean, the, the fact that they have weapons and yeah. and they build some explosives. Can we like, talk about that? Are we getting ahead of ourselves? Because I want to. I do want to talk about that. 
Yeah, well, we can we can get into that yeah, it's because my favorite like scene in the movie. Because I, but I, but I do think that like they, there's even a point when they're like dry, pulling away from the house, and and Michael Gross is talking to Reba, and he's and like oh, as their the house, yeah, yeah, yeah. as their house is like fading into the distance, yeah, that's a and he's and he, yeah, and he's like lamenting, is like we had food for five years, water, generators, bomb shelter, like we were prepared for all of this, but we weren't prepared for giant underground oh, monsters. monsters. So it's like. <laughs> Like, the, yeah, I mean, their guns, their weapons, their resources are useful, but they did not, this is not the kind of doomsday that they planned for. You know what? And and as we see, they're vastly underprepared for it. All I'm trying to say, though, is that the government had taken away their AR-15s. They couldn't have saved themselves from the That's true. That's true. I think that's that's important. If Uncle Sam came along (laughs) and took Bert's elephant gun... Where would they all be? Dead. That's dead, where dead. they'd be fucked. Yep. It's really funny uh, to have a house with a basement in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Um, just because of all the fault lines and, you know, they're on soft dirt as well. But it ends up being kind of their savior. Yeah. Uh, because they have direct access mm-hmm. to the mouth of one of the grab boys. Well, yeah, it so, breaks it breaks it straight into their basement. And I love this shit. Uh, our uh, main, meanwhile, our main characters are back back at the general store, and they get on the ham radio, and they let them know uh, in their bunker home that uh, you know the, it's underground monsters, and they're coming. Look out! It's coming straight for you. And uh, so he and uh, Reba like uh, get their you know like are holding their rifles, and they get ready. And uh, and sure enough, the monster breaks through. The wall, and, and to me, it's it's the most impressive technical sequence in the. Film. Yeah, absolutely. It looks amazing. Like when it breaks through the wall, it feels huge and terrifying, and it's a big animatronic. Yeah, and uh, like the puppetry and the articulation is incredible. It does all sorts of things. It it like flies up and it hits the ceiling. It hits the side. Its mouth opens at multiple points, and then the cre- the the graboid tongues like come out and they're moving around, and it just it looks so fucking good. And he and his wife unload on it with their two with a you know each of their their rifles until they run out and then they fall back into the other room and the camera pans and we just see the entire a huge wall the of guns higher back wall just full of guns it's a great it's a, yeah it's an excellent reveal and that's one of those things so where i i mean it feels it feels like an old person to complain about it but it's just like that's just the kind of shit that is just like you just don't see in so many modern movies like that kind of like clever reveal just like as they're falling back yeah exactly just like the camera just sort of pans to just like a huge wall of guns that we didn't see there before yeah there's nothing better than a good cycle. and it's great and they just like like the next 30 seconds to a minute is just them pulling progressively larger and larger guns off the wall and unloading them into this big beaked worm that has burst into their basement and just like it just not dying until finally Bert <laughs> it pans over again <laughs> another great sight gag the camera pans over again and there's just like a huge like old antique elephant gun behind glass and he breaks that and he's just like loading these huge cartridges into it and finally after unloading that into the the monster it finally dies 
it's fantastic like, scene. Each, each time it cuts between them, they're firing a different Yeah. Gun, and it's always, like, there's a lot of fun variety there. So by the end, like, Reva's, like, switch back to, like, two huge, She's like, got two pistols. Yeah, revolvers, <laughs> and she's firing them. Like, like it's great. Uh, and and what, what's even more lovely is past that, there's even more funny shit. Because, you know, we, we cut back to the town. There's more things that happen there. And eventually they they make their way back to them. And they're now up on the roof. Uh, building pipe bombs. Yeah. So now we can get some explosions in the movie. That's lovely. Like, there's there's still, like, another tier to to reach um, in the film. Even though we've lost our whole wall of guns, we can still get plenty of fun. Well, this was a detour towards the end of the movie, but there's still several scenes yeah. before this that I think are oh, very Oh, yeah, we gotta much, talk about everything in town. Very much worth noting. Um, when Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward first encounter, like, the big creature, we, like, mentioned the beginning of that scene earlier, but didn't mention how it ends, where they're running... And it's following behind them and got a great thing where they're it's knocking over the fence posts one by one, yeah. like as it's coming behind them. Yeah, there's so many fun shots where uh, sequentially things get knocked down or moved so we can track where the creature the is. Movement they the make creature, the most yeah. of their hydraulics budget, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, yes. And they do the classic, like, re- big lump in the ground that, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. great yeah or um, like there's boardwalks where all the 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 boards like come up you know, on the general wave. store porch later yeah, the porch on the general store is yeah. great uh um but anyway they're running the fence posts are falling behind them it's like are they gonna make it and they see up ahead there's like a big irrigation ditch that's uh that's concrete um walled and they're like okay if we can get to that we'll be safe we can make it and they jump and they fall just short and can't climb up and they slide down into the ditch and they turn back to the other side as the monster just crashes into the concrete wall and kills itself which is great because it like cracks it and like one of the tongues like falls out it's just like dripping goo and Fred Ward's like he knocked himself out cold and Kevin Bacon's like, shit out cold. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> He's dead. The they meet se- up with the se- seismologist. Yeah, she shows up at that same time and, like, sees it. And they, they even dig up the creature a little bit. And they're like, holy shit, look at how big this thing is. Now it makes sense how it was, you know, able to drag cars and stuff underground. And they head back into town to to share the news well, with everybody. They, uh, the seismologist mentions that uh, she got readings of these oh, underground, yeah. and there weren't there wasn't just this one. There were there's three, three more. Yeah, I like it too because she starts to explain. She's like, "Well, at this time I got a reading here, and at the same time I got a reading here, and then you won't believe what." I-. And they cut her off. They're like, "Nope, we got to keep moving." Well, yeah, and- Kevin. Kevin Bacon's like, "I believe you. I'll take your word for it. What yeah, are we, we gonna do?" Yeah. It's like, it's like, "Yep, you got it. What are we gonna do about this?" Yeah. Again, that's that's always as close as we get. Like we always your tease just enough exposition, and then we we're moving on. You know, there's no yep. time for that. Like you said. Just sweet. So they get into, uh, so yeah, they, they spend some time on the rocks. Uh, they do their pole vaulting thing to get to the car. Yeah, I love, I love the scene where they're getting away in the in the truck because uh, uh, the seismologist lady she has to get through the the back Cheers. window of the truck and 
<laughs> head first, go all the way and push down the the gas with her hands. Yeah. As, the... as they peel out, so Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are in the bed and her legs are just hanging out of the back window. So funny. And then she's like, hey, can, like, what do you guys help me? <laughs> Another great sight gag. Yeah. Honestly, like, you said it before, but movies don't do enough sight gags yeah. nowadays. This movie is just, like, it's, it's like, the perfect horror comedy. Because um, it's, it's so funny. And, like, it's just, it, it's clever. The jokes are fun. There's a lightness to it, too, and yeah. that's why I think the PG-13 rating actually kind of works in its favor, um, because it feels like a more general audience entry point to yeah. horror than, you know, something that was more intense and extreme would be. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, it balances the tone really well because there is a lightness and, a, and like, it, it's funny and it's adventurous and it's exciting, but, like, also, like, it does balance that with the dark, with darkness pretty well because, like, when, like, some of the scenes where, like, people get, get eaten is, like, pretty scary um pretty horrifying so like i I really like that how they're able to juggle the tones in a way that still works Um, yeah well and it's it's interesting because they when people get eaten it's either showing us the aftermath or showing us it happening like uh victor wong walter yeah uh, where it's generally bloodless but he's getting pulled yeah. away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's bloodless, but he's disappearing into the gullet of a yeah. huge worm. Yeah. Um, a horrible way to go. And after and after he names them too, and everything. Yeah. There's a great scene where they're he's brainstorming with the Melvin kid, like what? Like he's like, oh, we discovered it. We should get to name it. And he's like, uh, what about suckoids? And then Kevin Bacon says something about, it's like, they're just kind of ignoring him. He's like, yeah, if, if uh, they'll just come up and grab you. And he's like, ah, graboids. That's what I'm going to call them, graboids. Um, and that is what they're called through the rest of the series. That does become the, yeah. the official name. Um, but I want to circle back, because you mentioned that the film is rated PG-13, uh, which it is, and I think it works well. Uh, it is pretty obvious that they filmed it expecting it or intending it to have an R rating and that the decision to go PG-13 was made in post, um, which I would, I'd be very curious to see an R rated cut of this movie and see what, what is in it. But the, the biggest indications are there are numerous times where the character's mouth says the word fuck but the voice says something that is not the word fuck. Mm-hmm. Mother Humper. <laughs> yes. Mother Humper is the is a great example. I do love that scene. It's right after uh, Michael Gross and Reba have killed the creature, and they're talking to Kevin Bacon on the Rainer. Is like, we killed that mother. We we got that Mother Humper, and See? he's and he's just like, well, congratulations, great job, you did it. But there are still two more Mother Humpers. <laughs> I got my real though. My guess for it. In what caused it to be cut down to PG-13 is they sent in the original cut 
to the MPAA, and they were they said basically it's going to get an R rated for language, yeah, and not the violence additional that they were expecting, yeah, because it doesn't feel like they cut down any of the creature or violence. No, or anything. not not particularly. That doesn't mean they didn't. There might there might have been some stuff, but yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't feel like anything is missing. Like really, the only indication is just like yeah, when Kevin Bacon. His voice says Mother Humper, but you can see his mouth says Motherfucker. And then later when they're like, you know, we need to send some, we need to make a distraction um, so somebody can run for the, for the cat bulldozer. And Fred Ward is like, hey, Melvin, you want to make a buck? And it cuts to Melvin who's on another roof and he flips him off and his mouth very clearly says fuck you but the ADR says eat it <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta be real though I think the term mother humper is way worse than motherfucker why they mean they mean the same thing that's yeah they mean the same thing they mean thing. the exact same thing but like hump, motherfucker gets hump like is, so hump is a polite colloquialism for fuck it is but like motherfucker gets used so much that like the, it's, that it's the lost it's meaning from it. mother humper still has it I don't like it and that's why. That's okay, why, you don't why. have you don't have to like it. Cleve Mo- doesn't like those milfs. Mother Humper I, uh, didn't say that. But uh, <laughs> my my thought though is Cleve's it works really Puritan. well for the scene though because I like that he does say, "Well, there are still two of those Mother Humpers." Yeah, he's like, like he there responds are... like that is kind of a weird thing to say, and he kind of owns it. I, I like that. Like it he's works like, really yeah, well. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, "Congrats, congrats uh, on on killing it. You did a great job." But. Uh, just so you know, there are still two more Mother Humpers. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really well delivered. It's good. But they're, they're planned to get out of here because uh, the, the creatures have been sort of like testing the foundations of the buildings, shaking them. They've been popping all the tires. You know, they're smart. Um, and they're like, okay, how are we going to get out of here? Um, we don't have any cars. We don't have horses. Like, we, we obviously can't walk or run. We'll get eaten immediately. It's like, oh, well, we've still got the old cat bulldozer, mm-hmm. and we can hook it up to this the old semi-trailer, and, like, we can just drive that out of here. It's slow, but it weighs 30 tons, so there's no way they're going to be able to pull it down, right? But, uh shit, it's all the way over there. <laughs> and uh, I, I love, I love uh, their... The, the plan they come up with another like just like great aspect of this movie about like these types of like bee creature features that i love so much is like continual creative problem solving yeah they have a plan the plan goes awry they have a plan b that they form suddenly they're having to constantly improvise and it's all clever it all feels mm-hmm. like it's it, it feels like you know they're thinking on their feet there's like okay, our distraction is there's down at the, you know, uh, up up against the side of the the general store, there's like an, an a riding lawnmower, so one of the guys you know clambers down and like lashes the the steering wheel straight ahead and starts it up and sends it off, and the two remaining graboids like take off after it, so Kevin Bacon starts sprinting for the cat. Mm-hmm. No, it's cool. At this moment, I really think that Kevin Bacon becomes the Muad'Dib and learns how to sand walk. Yeah, yeah. Like, truly. I was waiting for the 
the the, dune, the, the inevitable the dune, dune references. Yeah. We went there. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a big worm movie. Shia Hulud. Yeah. Shia Hulud. Yeah, he gets. He almost gets there, but then the creature takes it down, and it's coming back. Well, yeah, the the lawnmower hits a uh, a mound, and it flips over, and he's not there yet. And so the creatures take off, and they, you know, Kevin Bacon freezes. There's a really tense scene where they're both kind of like up out of the ground, and their tentacles are searching around, and he's like lifting his his boot up over one of them as it's searching under him. Um, and then another continued example of the great creative problem solving that I love so much. Rhonda, the grad student, is on the water tower next to the general store. And they're all, everybody's all shouting, trying to make noise, distract the creatures, get them away from Kevin Bacon, but it's not working. What she decides to do is she climbs down the ladder and she starts kicking the pipe coming down from the water tower and breaks it so it starts raining down onto the ground and the vibrations draw the creatures back away from Kevin Bacon long enough for him to make it to the cat and chain it to the trailer. Um, I love that scene. It's so good. I love all of this. I so love good. it's it. It's so good. There's just there's no fat on this movie. It's just like one great scene to the next. Yeah, it's all fun. No it's fucking wasted. No wasted time. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing I love about it too is while one thing is paying off, they're doing setup for the next thing. Yep, yep. we've got the like, girl on the pogo stick. A girl from, same yep. girl from uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, a little girl from Jurassic Park. Yeah, I should love it. That's also vibrations, you know? Yeah. Um, they set that up earlier that she's always pogo sticking. She's trying to get a record. At one point, Kevin Bacon asks her, like, what's the count? She's like, 646. So she's always pogo sticking around. I love the shot of the pogo stick flying up out of the ground. Oh, yeah. The- you can tell, like, just over a rise, they just kind of hucked it. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah, there's there's a few times where the worms like like spit stuff up or belch throughout the movie. Yeah, well, like we're coming up on on the best example of that. Um, you know, we've already talked about uh, uh, Bert and and Reba um, killing the creature and you know building the pipe bombs on the roof. So you know, Kevin Bacon and everybody they come out to to pick them up in in the cat in the trailer. And they're like, all right, we're gonna we're just gonna keep going. And uh, they've almost made it out to the mountains, and uh, the creatures, because they're again they're smart. They dig a, a sand trap for the bulldozer. They know they can't take it down, so they like dig a ditch, basically um, like an ant lion or something. And so the bulldozer falls into it. They're stuck again. They figure out that the bombs will give them a few seconds because they're so loud. That like it'll uh, it'll hurt the creatures, you know, who hunt based off of sound and vibration. So the explosions will disorient them momentarily. So long enough for them to get to some more rocks where the creatures can't get to them. But then they're stuck there, and they come with a great plan to you know tie one of the bombs to to a rope you know, to try to, to go fishing, like they say, and coax it into one of the one of the creatures to, to take the bomb and it blows it up, 
great big explosions. They're all like, yeah, and then all of the guts rain down oh, on them on the rocks. Most of the guts hit Melvin, too. Like yeah, perfect. that boy played too much. That boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, yeah, we got it. There's only one left. And I like that the last one left is, is the one they call Stumpy because it's the one that tried to grab their truck at the beginning of the movie and they ripped off one of its tongues. So it's got the stump poking around so they can recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they try to do the same thing, throw out the bomb, attach the rope. It takes it. They're like, yeah, we got it. And then it pops up and spits the bomb back out and somehow manages to perfectly land it right on top of all of the other bombs. It's very Looney Tunes. It is, yeah. It's so it's perfect. Like, how does how does the creature manage to do that perfectly? I don't know. I don't give it's, a shit. It's more of like just a uh, it's a series of uh, unfortunate yeah. accidents. And oh, I, I love a shoot, farce. A farce. And while while we're talking about the bombs, there's a great bit of dialogue where they're up on the rock and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with the bombs. And they, they ask uh, Michael Gross, they say, uh, Michael, what's, what's in those bombs? And he gives the most doomsday preppery answer, where he just says, just a few household chemicals mixed just the right way. In like, the proper proportion. That's right, just a few household chemicals in the, in the proper, proper proportion. And it's just like, I love that shit. Like, of course, of course he knows. And, you know, like, a lot of movies that feature, like, preppers or conspiracy theorists or whatever, they're always, like, such such a cartoon that they they don't they don't feel like a real person anymore and he's got like a comically large wall of guns and all the rest of it but it's those bits of dialogue that still make him feel like a like a genuine real person i think a lot of the characters have that balance there a lot of them are kind of you know they're exaggerated they're goofy they're over the top but because that it that's sort of like across the board it doesn't feel yeah, like, yeah. like the people like, who wrote a, this movie like understand people who were salt of the earth you know like it's it's not just he's a cartoonish character but the whole movie is cartoon yes yeah. so it works so he but doesn't he, he's, he's so he cartoon, doesn't feel but, like, out of he place has human texture he still feels yeah. like a person you know like an exaggerated one but like there's still he's still grounded yeah definitely mm. So they have one bomb left, one that Kevin Bacon was holding, the one that didn't get exploded, and they're out of options. What are they going to do? Kevin Bacon has one last plan, one one last gambit, and he starts taking off for the cliff. And the the creatures are following him, and and uh, Fred Ward is too. And I love again. It seems like they only have one lighter between them. It's the one Zippo that we keep seeing them share when they're lighting their cigarettes throughout the movie. And Kevin Bacon is like looking for it in his pockets because he's got to light the bomb. Just like the beginning of the movie, he doesn't have it. And Fred Ward's patting down his pockets as he's running. He doesn't have it. And we cut to Rhonda, the grad student, and she starts patting herself down, and she has it, so she takes off running and after like them. because that's for the moment where she really becomes a part of the trio now. Like, she's one of them. 
Yeah. And I, I like that a lot. Like, yeah. Well, I, this, they're not just a duo anymore. She's just as important. She's just as much a part of them. And, like, to be clear, like, she has been for a while, but this is sort of, like, the moment where we, like... She becomes. Where, yeah, they the three of them are doing something heroic together yeah. as a unit, you know? Um, and so she takes off running after them. They get to the edge of the cliff. What the fuck? What is happening? They still don't know what Kevin Bacon's plan is. They light the fuse. Kevin Bacon doesn't just light the fuse. He plucks off most of the fuse. To make it shorter. And I yeah, like that. It's a shorter like, fuse. In, you know, ingenuous. Nice detail. Yeah. yeah. Or not ingenuous. Sorry. In, um, there's ingenuity there. Yeah. There you go. Is there a short word to say Ingenious. That? Ingenious. I guess it would just be ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stupid. Anyway. But, yeah, he, he, he pinches off the fuse and he lights it. And the other two, like, jump off to the side and he throws the bomb and it lands just past the creature. And they're like, oh, no, you threw too far. And he's like, mm-hmm. no. Just right. And it explodes and we hear the creature shriek and it's disoriented. And Kevin Bacon jumps out of the way as it crashes through the cliff into midair and falls down to explode well, gloriously on the rocks falling, doesn't below. Kevin Bacon say something cute like, you can't swim in the air, can you? Or let's uh, see if you can fly. Let's see if you can fly. Yeah. Uh, and it's another it's another one where they uh, cut away from his mouth when he's very clearly about to say, see if you can fly, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and they ADR something well, else. And I like it because him saying, let's see if you can fly, it, and that being the end of the final creature, is a wonderful setup for the ass blasters. In two movies later, two when, movies they, later. when they can they fly can now. Fly. They can fly now. Um, I, I do want to <laughs> talk a little bit about the rest of the series uh, in a minute, but... Um, you know, so we've come full circle. The movie started with Kevin Bacon pissing off the cliff, and it ends with uh, him tricking the creature into launching itself off the cliff to its doom far below. Um, and the the nice stampede bit gets a nice payoff at yep. the end there too. Once again, everything that's set up has payoff, uh, and the movie you know nicely comes to a close uh, with Kevin Bacon having. Uh, updated his standards for women and he and Rhonda have a kiss in the street um he throws out all the there's a great shot of him pulling all the pictures out from the the right before she sees yeah and and crumple her up and throwing them away um because you know he doesn't he doesn't need a blonde bombshell anymore um but yeah movie nicely ends uh and and yeah, that's that's Tremors. And the credits roll to a Reba McIntyre song. And the credits roll to a Reba McIntyre song, just like they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and yeah, that's the movie. Um, like I said, I do want to talk briefly about the series. Please. But do you want to rate this first? Sure. Why don't you start? You, it is your yeah. Pick, so. um, this is an easy five out of five for me. Um, like I said, this is this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I saw it at a very formative age, um, and I've loved this movie and the series forever. And the this one, this first one, uh, as goofy and dumb as this, the rest of the series gets, like this first one is still it holds up so well. Just really excellent, everything you want from a creature feature, tightly written, great characters that you actually give a shit about. Monsters that are scary and fun and well designed, creative problem solving, 
some explosions. It's got it all. Yeah, five out of five. Co- oh, yeah, just a nice, cozy five. Easy. Mm. Easy five. Just everything I'd want out of a, a creature film like this. Lots of practicals, and most importantly, big worm. Big worm. Big worm. Big worm. More movies need a big worm. That's right. Dune hey, 2 is coming uh, out Dune Part soon. 2 coming out in just <laughs> yeah, a few months. 2023 is you a know, big worm year. I am not going to keep this from being a golden pod. I think it certainly deserves to be among the ranks. So I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5, too. I think it has such a low-budget charm to it. Um, and they make the most of their budget. And... Uh, doesn't feel cheap. It Low budget, feel, but it doesn't feel it cheap. It doesn't feel million. cheap, and it really helps that, uh, you know, they have a great script, um, you know, as the backbone of everything. So, yeah, Talent. definitely check it out. Well, that's a unanimous five out of five. Tremors is a golden pod. I would like to talk uh, some more about, well, I mean, just in general, I, I would like to cover more of these movies in the future because um, I think it's a fun series. Have Have you all seen uh, more of the, I, other than three? I know you said I've that was your introduction. I've seen three and the one in the Arctic. I think we watched that together. I think we did. To, yeah, I think you, me, and Eugene watched that together yeah. at Eugene's yeah, house back it. in Milwaukee. It sucks. That one's bad. Yeah, I don't, I'm missing it. But... I have seen uh, one of the, like, a knockoff movie that sucked pretty bad, uh, Mongolian Death Worm. Saw that one. I uh, watched that in a movie night a while Did back. Did see that on Amazon when we were looking for Tremors, Mongolian Death yeah, Worm really was right there. Yeah, they're really riding coattails. Uh, Mongolian Death Worm is a great example of one of these latter ones uh, where they just exclusively rely on CG bullshit. And uh, I will say it's cool that it's set in Mongolia. I do not think it was shot. Uh, I think it was shot in California, but uh, much like the Arctic one. But there's one cool thing about Mongolian death worm, and that is that the, the worms are discovered because a I think an oil rig or some sort of industrial complex uh, accidentally discovers the undisclosed uh, burial location of Genghis Khan, and that's where the worms are. Why? And, uh, the worms have something to do with Genghis Khan magic, and it's not. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what. They were like, they were like, oh yeah, this is well. It, Mongol- like, the Mongolian Deathworm is like a is like a cryptid, right? Like yeah, but it has nothing cryptid. to do with like any of the fun cryptid lore. Like Mongolian Deathworms have like psychic powers and shit. In like cryptid they shoot, lore. they like they shoot, don't do that. They, they like shoot ones. like lightning out of their yeah. mouths and shit. I, I forget if they. I can't even remember if the worms shot lightning out of your out of their mouth. And the fact that I can't remember is not a really a big testament yeah. to the movie. So. I'm gonna stop talking about it now. Well, yeah, we that. need to. We probably don't. We're probably not gonna cover that one. Um, <laughs> but like, I, no, I, I, I do think, I do think it, it might, it would be a fun discussion to talk about like Tremors two and three at some point. Yeah. Two does still have Fred Ward in it. Like uh, Kevin Bacon is not in that one. But like, you know, at least it still feels like they're trying to carry that the legacy a little bit. And then it's just like Michael Gross is all we, it's all we can keep. Um, I've always thought the the premise of the fourth one was cute, being an old western with graboids. Yeah, and they and Michael Gross is still in, and he's playing like his ancestor or whatever. <laughs> That's again, like it's not a good movie, but like, yeah, I I definitely uh, have a soft spot for like the first four. I never saw five. Six is the one in the Arctic, which is just ass. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, you know, they keep pumping these out, and Michael Gross is down for all of them. God bless him, you know. Um, and I guess at least he is a, a good through line. He's a fun character. Um, but <laughs> I think it's time to put the put these movies to rest. I think we have enough of them. Yeah. Um, anyway, next week uh, is Cleveland's pick. Cleve, tell us about what we're going to be watching well, next I'll week. Well, tell you what. We're not leaving the town of perfection because next week we're watching Perfect Blue. <laughs> gotta, gotta keep Cleve with the animo picks. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, it's been a real theme these this yeah. past like two yep. years. Actually, maybe longer than Cleve's that. Cleve's always Cleve's always coming in with the anime picks. Yeah, it's either anime or just Japanese films in general. I, <laughs> Cleve studied the way of the blade. That's right. We've you know. we've done a lot of Japanese movies yeah. just this year. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Man, you've been picking yeah. some some uh, a lot of cool picks. Like yeah, that too. well, the female prisoner of scorpion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, I just um, I I'm an artist. I I love animation and. It's like, I... I'll give you shit about the anime picks, but at least this is Satoshi Khan. Yeah, I mean, the, it's the, insane to me that you haven't seen this movie right? before. Right, and I need to. I desperately need to. I so haven't it's, either, it's actually. Oh, well, yeah, look at us. We'll I both be either. baby. Perfect baby. Yeah. You and me. Perfect baby. And perfect Ben. It's a good movie. Oh. Well, we'll f- yeah, we'll find out we'll next find week. Out, perfect yeah. Blue. I will be amazed if I if I don't love it. Yeah, I think we. I think we. Know. I think be we pretty know. funny. Well, right. Speaking of loving things, here is our sponsor. I love making money from the sponsors. The sponsor of this speaks. podcast, and it, it it calls. It calls on us to to give us a sponsor, and that sponsor is very relevant. Uh, this week is brought to you by. I, I swear to God, you know we don't know what these sponsors are going to be. It's it's random. The shelf speaks to us. And yet, for the past couple times, they've just been so on point. Once again, on theme, this week, the Eternal Worm. Whoa! Oh, <laughs> how about it? Worm? Big worm? It's so big, it's eternal. It's the year of the worm. It's, it's the year of the it's worm. It's the year of the Eternal Worm. And also the year of Timothy Chalamet. Did you guys see that trailer for the, uh, the Wonka movie? Yeah. It looks I like it's directed by the dude who did the Paddington movies. As a queer person, I think I'm allowed to say it looks gay as hell. Correct. Um, but, yeah, anyway. You, you know, said it, not me. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, uh, he's out here. Big Worms are out here. Yeah, Muad'Dib. The Muad'Dib. You know, Shai Hulud. Zendaya. Blood. Zendaya. <laughs> You know, bless the maker. Bless the we, maker. we bless the coming and going of him. Um, yeah, it's the year of the big worm. Yeah. Thanks, big worm. The eternal worm. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> That'll do it for us this week. Don't forget to leave the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we really appreciate that. Leave us a review. You can support us on Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to the honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, and Micah. Y'all are the best. What? I was just thinking it's funny that we're going from Tremors to Perfect Blue. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's just a weird left turn. Sorry. Just carry on. There's no continuity. (laughs) Um, Love love you, Patreon folk. Yeah, the the Patreon. Uh, You can uh, follow us on Twitter, podpeoplepod, letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod. 
where you can find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings, links to those reviews. You can see all of our golden pods there as well. Yeah. Tremors is just the latest entry in uh, a nice collection. Below of... the surface are many more. Yeah, exactly. Just waiting to pop out and swamp you. Um, I'm I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. Uh, for my recommendation corner, um, support the the writer strike. Support the SAG after strike that should be happening very soon. Hopefully, is our, is happening when this comes out. Yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna recommend anything new. You know what? I'm gonna recommend an old reality show. Watch this reality show called Work of Art. Oh, we yeah. all watched it together oh, a few years back. That and was fun. It's it's a Top Chef style, you know, reality competition show about a bunch of contemporary artists blowing smoke up their own asses. And boy, basically. don't they! And uh, it's extremely entertaining. Yeah, you'd, you'd think they were beekeepers. The amount of smoke they're blowing around. Yep. Hi, uh, I'm Cleveland Mosier. You know that. Um, I uh, I'm. Gonna do the old, the old, good old, you know, the good old out. And here we go. We're doing the, we're doing the old, the old shout out to Dread XP. What's yep. up, baby? We're doing uh, go, go and uh, play or wish list because it's it's coming out in like a week. Uh, uh, by the time this is coming out, my friend, the neighborhood. It'll be out by the time this comes out. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the eighteenth. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, go. It's a uh, puppet horror. And it's fucking rad. Um, a lot of really, really good art that we made for that. Resident game. Sesame Evil Street. You said it. I didn't because I don't think legally I, sh- I should be refer- refer- referring to other licensed properties. But it's no it's garden of bad bad. But... It's no garden of bad bad. <laughs> oh yeah, heaven forbid. Uh, Have yeah, you guys heard of? Uh, someone was posting about how like Gen Alpha is obsessed with. Uh, Skibbly, Skib Skibbly toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw something about that. What? I have not heard. What Skib- is Skibbly be? It's like uh, it's like a Gary's Are mod. You scabbing? Yeah, it's like skibbity bee toilet. So it's skibbity bibbity bibbity bee. What are you saying? I don't know, man. It's toilet. Some, yeah, yeah, it's what? it's like a, it's like a G mod thing. Where like heads are in toilets and they scat. And, oh, I have and, seen that actually. Yeah. yeah. So I you hate know. That I do. Yeah. I'm online too much. Uh, well. Actually, I've, yeah. When are you gonna make the Skibbly toilet game? Yeah. Studio Skibbly. Yeah. Where's the anime? I'm ending this. Good night. Worm. <laughs> <laughs>